Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. Who's podcasting about everything? It was Mike and Mike all along! Who will talk about every single thing? It was Mike and Mike all along! It was Mike and Mike, yes it was Mike and Mike, oh it was Mike and Mike all along! And we go to the movies too. Uh, I'm, Mike, I'm Mike Smith, and this is Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Joining me, as always, is a man who uh, is a robot who got gum stuck in his gears. <laughs> Mike DiCrucio. I tuned today, Mike. You know, I've never been more accurately described in all of my life than that right there. Uh, I feel particularly seen and yeah. attacked at the same time. <laughs> That's good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The usual uh, stuff over here. Doing the podcast, living life, halfway vaccinated, which is kind of cool. Yeah. We're uh, halfway there, baby. Yeah. Both of us, which is nice. Very excited about that. And I'll be like basically fully vaccinated by the time Godzilla versus Kong comes out. Uh, so I'll be able to like really experience that on the big screen, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, like as soon as I got the, the info that I was getting the vaccine, I was like, man. I can't wait to get back into theaters. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, also joining us this week, a featured player in a new movie, which will come out actually the weekend after I get fully vaccinated. Uh, Shoplifters of the World, which hits theaters and video on demand on March 26th. A returning guest to the podcast. Welcome back to the show, Vin Craig. Do you guys get the plates on that truck that hit me when I heard that intro? Because that was perfection. And I don't know how you expect me to do a podcast after that tour de force performance. <laughs> This is all sincere, by the way. I my jaw was on the ground. I loved that. I loved everything about that. Thank you, thank you. I, I think we can all agree the Agatha All Along song is the best part of Wandavision. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Catherine Hahn and uh, Randall Park, Mwah. Chef's Kiss. They're perfection. Yes, I mean Randall Park was not involved in the song at all, but yes, you're yeah. But you're, uh, like, imagine if he was. Right. <laughs> True. What True. kind of flourish you would have brought to it? <laughs> We're done now. I think we got it. Those are the only two good things about Wandavision, and it's over. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, there's at least like one other good thing. And also, please call me by my stage name, Ralph Boner. <laughs> uh, so, so Vin, you're back on the podcast, and you've got a new movie coming out, uh, Shoplifters of the World, which you told us about. I, I want 2018. Say, yeah, it's been a while. You shot this a long yeah. time ago, right? That was pretty crazy. I filmed it in 2018, three days on set, like in a snowstorm. I had to commute like two and a half hours every day up to like Schenectady to shoot. Yeah. I don't know if I can like, I don't know how much I've actually shared on air with you guys. I know I've told you all the stuff like off mic. Yeah. But I, I don't know think very was much because like, it was kind of a, you, you didn't know what was happening situation, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you joked, with us, you, you joked with us wondering like if you're even going to be in the movie. Uh, and then you texted me the trailer for this movie and I watched it and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, cool. This is the movie that Vin was talking about. It's the Smith's movie, Joe Manganiello. I'm going to check this out. And then uh, I see you prominently featured at the end of this trailer. <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen. I, <laughs> I literally jumped up and down like a, like a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> Gleefully. Cause yeah, it's true. I was like, man, I really hope I'm like 
my stuff made the cut because you hear all the time about people they're like oh this is my big break in hollywood i don't think this movie is my big break in hollywood i think it's a break which is awesome and i'm super excited (laughs) for it but like then they get cut out of the movie completely and i was like i'm like a tertiary guy in this i'm a sidelines character maybe the movie's like two minutes too long and they're like all right get out of there (laughs) lose the cop and then yeah there i was dead ass at the end of the trailer which is crazy because i think that's the end of the movie i don't know like I assumed I didn't see a full script, but when I was arresting the kid, I just assumed that was like the end. It's got oh, big and I third can, act vibes. Yeah. It had like super like, okay, well this is the complete, the, my character arc has been completed now. <laughs> I assume there'll be like one or two scenes after that where they like talk. I don't right. know. I'm a excited denouement. to see. It looks a denouement, if you will. <laughs> it looks good. I'm actually very excited to see it because I, I do think it looks cool. A yeah. lot of people in the YouTube comments disagree with me. <laughs> um, but that's YouTube comments. That's going to see, see that about anything. No, they feel personal. I feel like it's yeah. people don't want me to succeed. <laughs> so what I've done is I've taken the liberty to find all those people based on their IP addresses. And uh, <laughs> now I'm going to take the mic with me as I go methodically find them and influence them to change their opinion on the film. You mean Jan Silent Bob Strike Back style? Is that the, uh, the all idea? All you motherfuckers are going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Beautiful. What a deep cut. <laughs> I, that movie, I thought that was the height of comedy at one point in my life. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Eighth grade bike. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> 10 out of 10. I once had a, uh, I once spent a new year's Eve when I was like 15, just watching all the Kevin Smith movies with my friends in my friend's basement. Uh, what one, a way to one spend of the my new year. Be- one of my better new year's eves, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, I can imagine. That sounds incredible. I would do that probably tonight. Now that you brought it to my attention. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so shoplifters of the world coming out, uh, in, on March 26th and that will be, yeah, I will be fully vaccinated by then. If the movie is playing near me, which is a big, if I don't know, like, cause I, I know it's going in like select theaters, but it's also video on demand mm. the same day. And right now where I live, uh, the Roxy theater, which is the inner theater near house in Missoula, Montana, uh, that's still closed. Uh, hopefully theoretically could be reopening in the near future, or at least the outdoor screenings will be. And the AMCs are open up on the weekends near me at like 40% capacity, I think. So if, if it's going to play anywhere, probably be the AMC theater. If it is playing near me, I'm going to make this movie the first movie I go to see back at the theater so I can see Vin Craig on the big screen as my return. It'll be like, it'll be like seeing an old friend at the theater. <laughs> Which oh, 30, feet tall, 30 feet tall, the way Vin should be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, uh, not 30 feet tall in real life. 15 right. feet tall, uh, movie magic otherwise. <laughs> oh, I see. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. But yeah, that's awesome. Are you working? Have you ended up doing anything else, Vin? Any, any other stuff that's uh, on the horizon? Yeah, I don't know if I told you guys this yet. I was, I was in an NBC show like a month ago. What? You know, I got cast in a small, small role on an NBC show. Can you say what show it is? Yeah, it's called Girls 5 Ever or Girls 5 Ever. Wait, yeah, that's, that's the new Tina Fey show. That's a uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's, on, <laughs> I think that's on Peacock, actually, not NBC. Uh, it is, it is going to be a Peacock show. OK, um, you know, just get Peacock, everybody. It's free. So just get it. <laughs> and just watch Girls 5 Ever and get to episode eight. That's awesome. I don't know how much I can legally say. Uh, that's enough, I think. <laughs> Definitely signed something, but like, like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely get Peacock is what you're saying. Yeah, right. get Peacock and episode eight and uh, look for me. I'll be playing another guy, which is my character name. That's what it said on my dressing room. <laughs> Amazing. It said another guy. Uh, I caused a mild panic on that set because I oh. can't go anywhere without causing trouble. Sure. Can, are you allowed I, to tell uh, that story? <laughs> oh, 100%. I Good. was I was in what's called the Honey Wagon, which is uh, where they put the day players. So, like, the stars get trailers. 
And then there's a big trailer that has like a bunch of small rooms in it. But each room has like a little cushion bench and a bathroom and a mirror. Yeah. And they come by and they're like, can we get you any juice or you want like something to eat? And I was like, this is perfect. I was like, I made it in Hollywood. Uh, this is <laughs> this is my moment. I have a trailer. Top yeah. of the world, mom. So I'm texting my mom and I'm like, holy crap. They get like, I have my own trailer. This is the coolest thing in the world. Except plot twist. And he wasn't texting my mom. I was texting the second AD who was the, the last person <laughs> I was texting. And I got the messages mixed up. And all the next thing I know, she's texting me being like, why are you in a trailer? And that's, I, hear, I hear from the PA later that she called him. and was like, why the fuck did you put him in a trailer? <laughs> He's like, no, 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 it's the honey wagon, I swear. So that'll be my first and last time appearing on television, I assume. Just trying to be a big shot in front of your mom. I was just trying to tell my mom I was excited they gave me a room to sit in. <laughs> they gave me a seat, ma. They gave me a seat, a, my own personal bathroom, and they brought me an egg sandwich. I, I like that was it. That was perfect for yeah, me. You made it. I mean, that's the Hollywood dream right there. That's great. That's great. Uh, I, you know, if I could just do that. Every day for the rest of my life, make whatever like scale wage for that was. Yeah, that's a life. I'd take that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I, I really want to watch that actually because I'm always like you know interested in whatever a new Teen and Face show is. But I, I don't have Peacock yet, and this was good. this is going to be the thing that like pushes me towards getting it. I think. Sick. Uh, it would help if Peacock showed up my Amazon Fire TV. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Amazon, we know you're listening. Pick yeah, it up. Come on. Come on. You're listening to everything. Sh- of course, you're listening. To being this. sloppy. I, I'm looking at my Alexa right now. She looks shady. <laughs> That's shifty-eyed. I don't know. Exactly. Make sure you use uh, code VINCRAG when you sign up so they, <laughs> so they know. Get the first month of Peacock free. <laughs> Discount code VINCRAG, another guy. Uh, well, that is awesome, Vin. I'm excited to uh, see you in both Shoplifters of the World and Girls 5 Eva whenever that uh, comes out. Uh, and And we're going to be talking about WandaVision, the new Marvel TV show, in just a few minutes. First, I did want to delay that because uh, the Oscar nominations just came out this morning. Uh, and uh, I know it's for Mike groan. Yeah. yeah, Pause for Mike to roll his eyes uh, exasperatedly, but uh, yeah, (laughs) there it is. But yeah, I feel like, you know, it's the Oscar nominations. Feel like we just kind of throw them out there, talk about it at least a little bit. Uh, Did you guys pay attention to the nominations this morning? No, (laughs) Uh, I slept. I overslept. And then when I saw the nominations came out, uh, I rushed to Facebook because I knew the annual Mikey's would be coming out. I was more interested (laughs) in those. Yes, of course. Uh, I, I keep like a, a detailed, like running list of like my own Oscar categories throughout the year so that when the Oscar nominations are announced, I'm able to publish the mics. This year, I'm a little bit behind because I still haven't seen a couple of big movies. Uh, Minari, I think, is kind of the big one that I still need to see. But the problem is they're all on video on demand for $20. And it's like tough to like be like, all right, I'm going to spend like 200 bucks watching all the uh, Watch called the best twenty dollar rental, by the way, not even like right. Yeah, so it's it's easier when I'm in the when it's in theaters and I can use my like AMC stubs a list and you know watch three movies a week for free and stuff. That's that's great. But yeah, so I still got to see Minari and uh, the Father is also a movie I still got to see. Uh, and then there's like I think one other one, uh, News of the World is also one that I never got got around to seeing uh, for 2020 yet, which I do want to see that too. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, after the Oscar nominations came out this uh, this morning, I published the mics. Uh, but I think the Oscar nominations for the most part are pretty good and there's some fun surprises in there uh specifically like i, th- I think the biggest one for me was that uh, thomas vinterberg who was the director of another round got nominated for best director which right was kind of cool to see uh, a lot of love for minari too i mean th- i think the best director race is actually really interesting because you have chloe zhao who directed nomadland emerald fennel who directed promising young woman the first time ever that uh 
two female directors are in the category for best director. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, David Fincher for Mank, uh, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, and Thomas Vinterberg for another round. So you've got two movies in foreign languages uh, in the best director race, two female directors in there, and then also David Fincher, uh, <laughs> who's like, you know, he made the movie about the best movie ever made. So it's it's one of those things where, like, of course, he's going to get nominated for everything. But there's literally an accept- Oscar acceptance speech at the end of Mank. You are correct. <laughs> It's because he knew he wasn't going to win. He knew he was going to get all the noms and then that was going to be the end of it. (laughs) Exactly. It does feel like one of those movies because it got like the most nominations. I think it got 10, but it it does feel like one of those movies that gets nominated for everything and wins maybe one or two. Uh, Yeah, a technical award. Not that there's anything like lesser about those. No, yeah, definitely. I I think it's uh, definitely, it has a solid shot at like original score uh, for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross because that's a great score. And uh, maybe, is it in production design? Because yeah, it's in production design. Could get it there too. Uh, it looks pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I liked Mank. Mank, it's a good movie. It was. It uh, manked. It yeah, manked mank. itself along. My favorite part of that movie was when he hands the 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 guy's wife a handkerchief full of six bullets and is like proud of himself. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, he had a whole box of bullets. Yes. <laughs> this is a record scratch. Yeah. So the best picture nominees. There's eight movies nominated for best picture. Uh, the Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago. Seven. I think it's a good list of movies. Again, I haven't seen Minari or The Father yet, uh, and I will probably end up trying to watch them before the actual Oscars happen. But The Father, I know, is like basically not available to see right now, uh, which is so weird. And the the weird like eligibility rules this year, where they added like the first two months of 2021 into the Oscar eligibility. So like Judas and the Black Messiah did is a 2021 movie. It didn't have any kind of release in 2020. But it's in the best picture race now and actually is like prominently featured throughout. There's a, there's a weird thing where uh, both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are nominated uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah, but they're both in the supporting actor category, uh, which makes it seem like there's no lead actor in Judas and the Black, and Black there Messiah. There isn't, according to them. According yeah, to according them, no. to the Academy. Yeah, which is yeah, weird. I'll tell you this. It's a shame that uh, it wasn't the first three months of the year because we'd be having a very different conversation. Yeah. Shout the best <laughs> supporting actor. <laughs> Best trailer appearance goes to, goes to best, best tertiary character. Yes. <laughs> in the best, best supporting uh, actor race. Who- <laughs> in best supporting actor, you've got Lakeith Stanfield, Leslie Odom Jr., and Vin Craig. Uh, for <laughs> Shoplifters of the World. <laughs> A confused hush falls over the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those things um, like uh, like when McConaughey won for best actor, he was like kind of pushed forward to it by his appearance on True Detective. And for mm-hmm. you, it'll be like the, the win will be for Shoplifters of the World. But your appearance on Girls 5 Eva is going to really like <laughs> push that into the next stratosphere. That's how you're going to win this award. Welcome to the Vinissance. Vinissance. It rolls right uh, off the Speaking of um, massive Oscar snubs, though, uh, any anything on the list? That you anything not on the list that you really are like they've messed up. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the lack of Five Bloods in pretty much every category is insane. Yep. You know that, especially I mean, Del Orlando uh, for Best Actor should have won. Like that, that seems yeah, like hundred percent. You know, and I and I go through my uh, you know the Mike Awards, uh, which tend to have like you know I have my own taste and stuff, and it's all built around just like the stuff that I like basically. Uh, but there is some overlap between the Academy and stuff. Like there's movies that I know are not going to get recognized by the Oscars, but Five Bloods is one that I think should have been. Like it feels up their alley. It's a Spike Lee movie, uh, and you know if they did just have like a bunch of award nominations for black Klansman a couple years ago. So it seems weird that like there was very little attention paid to the five bloods, but I think Del Rolindo 
gave the best performance of this year. He's incredible. Uh, and it's it's nuts that he wasn't even nominated. Yeah, hard agree. I think I even said in our Five Bloods uh, review, like, and a lot of people said this, some that, like, you know, unique in this opinion, but, like, right when that movie came out, everyone was like, okay, give Delroy Delinda the, the, the Oscar now. Like, right. that's it, it's over. Uh, like, And he's not even there. And the movie has what? I think one nomination for song I or think, score or something? I think original score it's nominated for, yeah, which yeah. is a good score. They hate Spike Lee. It's crazy. <laughs> It's weird. Super weird. I mean, they did just give him the Oscar for screenplay for Black Klansman two years ago. Um, yeah, finally. Yeah, but that also that. Like, he should have he should have won Best Picture for Do the Right Thing back in 89. He lost to, I think, Driving Miss Daisy, uh, mm-hmm. which... Oh, that's a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, which I, I think Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. I think it was for Best Screenplay. But, like, I was looking over the mics, you know, the classic mic awards, uh, and my, my Best Picture race is entire... Like, there's no movie that is in my Best Picture race that is in the Oscars Best Picture, <laughs> Best Picture race. <laughs> Damn, uh, not even Nomadland? I thought you had that in there. I did like Nomadland. I liked Nomadland a lot, but it didn't really, uh, you know, because basically my best picture race is like my top 10 movies of the year, you know? Valid, uh, yeah. You know, and so uh, my top 10 were The Assistant, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Colorado Space, To Five Bloods, American Utopia, Hamilton, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Never Really, Sometimes Always, Possessor, and then my winner, She Dies Tomorrow. Yeah, none of those got any kind of Academy love. And honestly, I get most of them not getting any Academy love. Like, the, you know, I didn't expect Bill and Ted Face the Music to get a Best Picture nomination. Weird, they snubbed Color Out of Space. <laughs> well, you know what? You, they should have nominated Color Out of Space in the visual effects category. That's, I agree. That's I do nuts. agree. Uh, especially because the visual effects category is so weird this year because there were no blockbusters. Uh, <laughs> and so the visual effects nominations are Love and Monsters, which... Uh, I don't, I think I had maybe heard I've of that. I've heard of. Yeah, it sounds like it's the kid that familiar. got hit by the car from the maze movies. Was that a Disney Plus thing? Love and Monsters, maybe? Or, or no, the one and only no. I, the one and only Ivan is the Disney Plus thing, I think, which is also nominated in there. Uh, and then the Midnight Sky, Mulan, and Tenet. And, uh, you know, Tenet's going to walk away with that because it's the only one that people have heard of in the in that category, except for Mulan, yeah, well, which no one liked. Which is bad. Yeah, I, what? They I, took out all the Mulan stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, Mulan's a weird one. I mean, I think it's more interesting than most of the live-action Disney remakes, um, but it's still pretty bad. It's it's not good. Uh-oh. But yeah, so, I mean, with the Oscar nominations, there's, you know, it, as always, it's kind of a mixed bag of, you know, fun surprises and also, like, you know, just big, like, whiffs, I guess. But I think it's it's indicative of, like, a changing academy where, like, movies like Minari and, you know, Another Round and Nomadland and, you know, uh, Promising Young Woman and stuff like they They all like kind of f- factor into uh, the best picture race and stuff like that, as well as like, you know, stuff that you would expect to be nominated in the best picture race, like Mank and Trial in Chicago 7 or something like that. Uh, I think I saw today that somebody realized that Godfather and Godfather Part 2 were the only original film and sequel to both be nominated for an Oscar until yes. now Borat and Borat 2. <laughs> Wow. Did he nominate Borat 2 for Best Picture or no? No, no. just to have a nomination. Yeah, well, oh, okay. I think it was in the screenplay category is what that was talking about. I think about. it might have been, yeah. Uh, it's which, adapted screenplay, which is, yeah. is that Well, yeah, it is, it is, is, is uh, based on their rules because a sequel is always an adapted screenplay because uh, it. it's based on pre-existing characters. And I think the first one was also adapted screenplay because it's based on his TV show, the uh, Dialogy show and that stuff. So, they, But they were both in there, which is wild. And that's such a weird one because obviously Borat has such a loose screenplay. It's mostly improvised. Yeah. <laughs> but it's they, it does have like an actual story arc and it goes through, like it does have a screenplay and it's, I think, a really interesting, it's a really interesting nomination. But also I'm gunning for Maria Bakalova to win Best Supporting Actress uh, for Borat 2. She rules in that movie. Uh, and I can't believe she actually got the nomination. Uh, that seems insane. I've not seen it yet. I've heard 
She's incredible. Yeah. A uh, weird Giuliani snub for uh, the year best supporting <laughs> actor in the year 2001. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's able to push all that crazy down for like a full year. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I will say, I think the biggest thing that I was bummed about and I, it was a long shot, but I really, really truly believe Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is the best performance <laughs> by an I actress am. in a leading role this year. She in the in the goddamn egg sandwich yep. scene Just alone scene. Sure. Yeah. plays every emotion. People I was watching the thing earlier about Joaquin Phoenix and her and like the six like stages he plays in like the final scene. No. Give me give me Margot Robbie and Birds of Prey weeping not over lost love but over an egg sandwich. <laughs> Lost love of an egg sandwich. Valid. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think she's great in that movie, too. It, it makes sense that she's not in the in the best actress conversation, <laughs> I think. Uh, she, was, she was nominated last year, I think, wasn't she, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Maybe I'm making that up. Uh, no, she probably was, but... There's also I, you know, She wasn't Harley Quinn in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> also a good point. You know, I just watched the first episode of the, uh, the Harley Quinn TV show on HBO Max. So good. Yeah, I mean... Maybe it gets better. I thought the first episode was like too much. Like, I the know. show, it, it, I really like the show. I do think it gets better. Okay. Okay. I'm, I, I'm thinking about sticking with it. Cause I've heard it gets, like, I've heard it's really good and I've heard it's like just really fun and like, you know, goofy and crazy and like it, but the first episode just like it goes, I think it has that issue that a lot of like R rated superhero things have where it goes like too hard into the R rating, uh, where it's, you know, like it, when you watch Logan the first thing you hear is like, Oh fucking shit. I'm Logan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and this show is kind of like that in at least in the first episode, but I've heard it gets good. Uh, but anyway, those are the Oscar nominations. Just kind of wanted to talk, touch on those, uh, which we talked about that for a little longer than I meant to, but that's, I guess I should have expected that, but we'll talk about the Oscars when they actually happen too. And uh, yeah, next year we'll be talking about uh, Oscar best picture nominee, uh, Zack Snyder's justice league guys. So uh, get and, ready. <laughs> and, and shoplift is the world van. Of course, you're gosh, darn right. <laughs> Anyway, I think we should probably start getting into our WandaVision review. First of all, i got to tell you guys, all the theme songs you're going to hear this episode were created by <laughs> Kyle Cullen. This might be the latest we've ever done. The, uh, the, oh, it's, that, it's, you that know part what? of the intro. It's the Mandy delayed title sequence episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. <laughs> we, <laughs> we should have title shows up an hour 45. and 15 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so good. Uh, yeah. All the theme songs you're going to hear were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. If you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, you can email us over at Mike Mike go to the movies at gmail.com. And now it's time to review WandaVision. So what's a single gal like you doing rattling around this big house? Well, I assure you, I'm married to a man, a human one. We are an unusual couple. Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. We just don't know what to expect. Howdy, neighbors! Hey, buddy. Wanda, what's up? Who are you? I don't know. I think something's wrong here. Wanda, can you read me? Who's doing this to you? Are you here to help us? This is our home. Then let's fight for it. 
that well. All right, that was from the trailer for WandaVision, the new Marvel TV show uh, that debuted on Disney Plus back in January and just wrapped up its season recently. Uh, created by Jack Schaefer and directed by Matt Shackman, it stars Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Katherine Hahn, Tayona Paris, Randall Park, Kat Dennings, and much more. So, guys, WandaVision, uh, you know, it, it wrapped up a little over a week ago at this point. Uh, so, this episode's a little bit delayed, especially because, like, we're already starting to move on into the next thing because Falcon and Winter Soldier premieres this week. <laughs> There's like almost zero break between these two shows. But WandaVision is kind of Marvel's first attempt at uh, one of these big Disney Plus streaming shows. And, you know, in the past, Marvel TV, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or uh, other ones, the Netflix shows, Daredevil and stuff, uh, they have been done by like a separate entity of Marvel and like barely connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in their ways. This is like directly tied into featuring characters from the movies and stuff like that. Uh, so, Vin, we're going to start with you. Uh, what did you think of WandaVision? I mean, uh, what, what was your were you excited about the show going into it uh, and seeing what Marvel was going to be able to do with like a TV series format? And uh, what did you think of the final product? Definitely the most excited out of the shows that they like announced. Yeah. This is the one that piqued my interest because like my knowledge of the comics, I know Scarlet Witch. I'm, I think Elizabeth Olsen is incredible in the role. So when they announced all the shows and this was on there, I was like, that seems cool. Also, because, you know, like Vision's dead. What? Um, <laughs> so I was like, what the hell is this going to be? And I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I would have watched just straight up the sitcom of these two together if it didn't expand into the greater like marveliness of it. Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly well made. I, I think they stick the landing. I, th I think the whole thing is great, honestly. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, Vin's opinion. Now, Mike, we weren't even sure if we were going to review WandaVision because it was kind of unclear whether you were going to watch it or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you, me? Uh, basically. But uh, yeah, M Mike, you know, you've kind of been burned out on the Marvel stuff over the last like year or so. And, you know, just kind of looking at the calendar ahead, I think you find it like more daunting than exciting for like all the TV shows and movies that are coming out. But as I was watching WandaVision and like you saw your friends watching it like week to week, uh, I think around like episode seven or eight, you decided, all right, I'm just going to binge the entire show and then catch up for the finale. Uh, yeah. So what was your take on WandaVision? How did you I mean, you know, kind of talk about your feelings about it going in and then uh, what was your overall thoughts? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I've made uh, no bones about being kind of just done with Marvel uh, stuff in general uh, over the past year or so on the podcast. So I wasn't really planning to watch Wan WandaVision at all, but then, you know, on Fridays I'd be working from home and my friends would also be working from home and we'd all be in discord hanging out while we all worked in voice chat, you know, and they'd be talking about WandaVision and they were like, Oh, Mike has Mike doesn't watch it. Uh, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I don't, it's fine. You know, <laughs> and for me as a person that avoids trailers because I want to know nothing uh, to be like, it's fine. Go ahead. Uh, you know, that tells you <laughs> that should tell you where my attitude was. Sure. So they would talk about it week to week and it seemed pretty cool. And they were having fun doing all the, you know, theory web, you know, conspiracy board with the string stuff, which is neat. And that was fun to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, ask them questions, having no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then it seemed like, you know, the, it was kind of like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'll check it out. The episodes are how long? 22 minutes. OK. All right. Yeah. You know, so one of them's 45. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And then I just torrented all of them and watched uh, the last like on the Wednesday before the finale watched, you know, the watched all the episodes up until Friday. Uh, so I caught up to watch the last episode and it was only what, nine or eight episodes? I forget. Uh, um, nine, nine episodes. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. So it was pretty, pretty minimal, like, you know, time sync kind of thing. Yeah. And overall, yeah, like, it's fine. It's pretty cool. I liked it. It was definitely different than the, a lot of the other Marvel things that have existed before, which is cool to see. And I definitely agree with Vin that are sort of what Vin kind of talks about. Like, 
I was way more interested in the kind of uh, sitcom Wanda uh, thing. I don't know. Well, I guess maybe we'll talk yeah. about spoilers in a little bit. I, th- I think um, we should just, I mean, the the show, the finale aired over a week ago, so I think true, all, yeah. all the spoilers are out there. So let's just say spoilers ahead for one okay, division, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, I was much more interested in the, like, town that Wanda had created and, like, all of the, the sitcom aspect of it. Uh, like, the first three episodes are just that, you know, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, different sitcoms, and it was great. And that was really cool and unique and different and, and weird and, and you know, kind of like a 70s comic book was weird, you know, kind of yeah. that vibe. Uh, and then we get the the you know Darcy and Jimmy Woo stuff, which was fun and they were cool, but that's just Marvel's shit, and I, that was fucking boring. I don't want that stuff. The guy that plays Hayward's <laughs> awful, and he's like a main character for some reason. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I was like kind of over it, sort of for that half for those for those scenes. I was like, okay, just get back inside. I don't I don't need to care about this stuff. The Mar- <laughs> the Maria Rambo shit was awesome. She's really cool, um, so I'm excited about that and where that might go. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like it was a mixed bag, I guess is what I'm saying for me, where I was like, I want to focus on the weird sitcom mind bendy alternate universe shit which they've fucking pulled a rug out from under in the finale which i was really mad about or disappointed yeah. in rather i'm uh, <laughs> not mad i'm disappointed um <laughs> and yeah so that that's kind of my, my like yeah it's fine i guess i get it i get why people like it i'm not gonna be like this is you're dumb for liking this that's r- ridiculous to have please that look op- at me when you're speaking to me <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous to have that opinion in 2021 sure yeah. um so yeah i mean i'll probably do the same thing for falcon and winter soldier i'm sure my friends will be talking about it on Fridays and it'll be cool and then at the end I'll watch all of it at once I don't need to wait there was one of those things in three days I was like yeah this was worth three days of my time was it worth nine <laughs> weeks I don't think it would have been <laughs> personally okay. for me interesting yeah you know that's kind of that's kind of my check my vibe check right I mean nine weeks but only like you know a half hour of your time each week yeah. basically I know I, I get it but yeah uh, the whole, nine mornings the anticipation <laughs> of nine for nine weeks no not, not uh, even close yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I really like the uh, the episodic nature and like the kind of, you know, I, I like how, how Disney Plus has been doing like the weekly episodes as opposed to the Netflix kind of binge model where they drop the entire season at once, uh, partially because it creates that conversation. Like, I'm not necessarily about the anticipation or whatever. Like, I am kind of curious, like, what's going on, like, what's going to happen and stuff. But I think the conversation around these kind of shows, like, we don't we don't get like that many huge cultural events that are like talked about in the same way anymore you know game of thrones was kind of like the last show where like you know you had to watch it day of because otherwise it will get spoiled for you and everybody's talking about it and like wondering about what's going to happen and stuff uh but it used to be like there was a few like monocultural things where like everybody could like it was like a touchstone like hey everybody watched american idol this week and it's like the cultural talking point for this kind of thing uh and you know as media has evolved over the last 20 years and become much more isolated and there's been so much more stuff you know and and especially like Netflix accelerated this with the binge model stuff where everyone is watching things at different times. Uh, there's a lot less of that kind of communal feeling with these kind of TV shows. Uh, and Game of Thrones was one of the last ones. And I, I was thinking like Game of Thrones might be the last one. And then The Mandalorian premiered and The Mandalorian kind of like, recaptured that same feeling. And now WandaVision has been doing the same. So I guess, you know, all you had to do was take the literal biggest franchises ever and turn them into TV shows to yeah. recreate that experience, which is uh, which, you know, I would like it if there was more original stuff that's able to do that. But 
you know, I'm into the Marvel stuff. And uh, I was also, I think, like you guys, the most excited for WandaVision out of all the Marvel Disney Plus shows that were announced because it was the one that sounded the weirdest, you know. And it's also weird that it's the first of these shows to (laughs) to premiere for that reason, right? Because I think the original plan was for Falcon and Winter Soldier to be the first one, uh, which seems like a much more straightforward Marvel thing. Uh, Although I watched the there's like another trailer that came out today. The action in that looks really good. Uh, And I actually just found out that uh, it's mostly written by or like co-written by Derek Kolstad, who wrote the John Wick movies. Amazing. Interesting. That's pretty cool. So I'm actually really excited about that now. Uh, But WandaVision just had like a weird concept. And yeah, you were right. And like they brought Vision back to life. How is this going to (laughs) work? And all that stuff. And like they're not they don't really explain that for a long time. And, you know, watching people like kind of get frustrated with that week to week was kind of fun, like just trying to understand like the pieces of the puzzle and stuff. Uh, But I think Mm -hmm. overall as a show, I'm pretty much right there with you, Mike. I think the actual sitcom stuff and everything within the hex, I think is very good. Like everything within the hex and what's going on in the world created by the hex, I think is really great. And I think some of the best stuff that Marvel's done in years and all the sword stuff. It's not even just that it's like Marvel shit because like, you know, I like Marvel shit, Um, but (laughs) but it feels like kind of like B grade Marvel stuff in some way. Like I think, you know, I think it's Josh Stanberg who plays a Hayward, uh, the head of sword who is fine in the role, I think, but like, it's just one of those things where it's like, it feels undercooked. Like it's one of those things that like, it's just like everything are surrounding sword and like what they're doing and like his evil plan. It's finally revealed what his plan is in episode eight, where he shows off the white vision and he created like they a new whitewashed vision. <laughs> <laughs> they created this, you know, white vision and it's a new weapon. Uh, and then that problem is like very swiftly dealt with in the, in the finale. It's like, you know, five minutes and it's, you know, it takes like a philosophical conversation between two visions, which is great. You know, for all the build up to wondering what is sword, up to uh it feels kind of let down for it to be done so quickly (laughs) you know yeah i I was thinking i I think i had described to you uh off mic one time that he's like kind of like a knockoff scott bakula like you know like i would have rather it just be (laughs) scott bakula and that made me realize if hayward was going to be an important character it would have just been scott bakula but by virtue of the (laughs) fact that it's like kind of this i don't know maybe that guy is a relatively well-known actor outside of my exposure to him in this one show. Yeah, I think uh, he's on uh, The Affair, I, I want to say. He's like on that show, uh, okay. which was, oh. a, was a popular show, I think. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's fair, I guess. Yeah, all right, man. Whatever you it's say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like it's Marvel. It would have been an important, like, well-known actor if it was a major, if it was going to be a major repercussions kind of character, yes. I think. And it, and, it, and it wasn't. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I felt that same way where, uh, you know, especially comparing like his role in the show, he's like the head of swords. So like theoretically, his equivalent is Nick Fury, right? right. And yeah. Nick Fury is Samuel L. Jackson, you know, one of like the biggest stars ever. And I think Marvel, for the most part, has been really good about using movie stars and like casting them in the right roles. Like their their casting process is pretty on point. And they always have like a really incredible actor filling this like the smallest of roles. You know, they had like Robert Redford as the villain in Winter Soldier and Michael Douglas as playing Hank Pym and all, all that kind Remember of stuff. Remember when like, William Hurt came back in, in yeah. is that Ultron? Remember how fucking uh, cool Civil that was? War, yeah. Civil was, War, yeah. 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 And then briefly in Infinity War, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 William Hurt came back. You know, they they are able to like cast these people and then, you know, kind of use them in like bit parts they had glenn close in uh guardians of the galaxy for right. like, three lines <laughs> you know and, and then they maybe killed her off screen unclear <laughs> yeah whether or not uh, xandar survived uh 
Well, I guess it didn't survive. She may like her character may be dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but might have just been old age. We don't know. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> you never know. With sword and with Hayward, you know that that feels like a role that should be occupied by somebody who's at least kind of well known, right? I mean, even yeah. or, or even paying homage to like TV history in some way. I think that would be a cool Easter egg or like, a kind of cool meta thing where like you had somebody who's well known for playing like a popular TV dad or something on the sitcom, like you know that kind of thing. Like if it was Bob, Bob Saget, Saget. <laughs> or make. A scroll. Oh wow! You guys landed on Bob Saget at the exact same time. That's amazing. I think it may be the Full House connection because Elizabeth the Olsen and stuff uh, subconsciously. Uh, yeah. What what if like the head? The, there were three heads of sword, and they were Bob Saget, John Stamos, and Dave Coulier. Like, how great would that be? That would have been awesome. Well, but Dave Coulier is not really a head of sword. He's just kind of living in the back room. <laughs> Just talking to his woodchuck puppet the entire time. But yeah, so I, I agree with you, Mike. I think the sword stuff is uh, is pretty undercooked, but it does have the benefit of having Randall Park, Kat Dennings, and Tayona Paris as Maria Rambo, uh, who yeah. I think are really great. Yeah, I was way more interested in whenever they were on screen than like any of the other sword stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the show plays it where it's like those first three episodes, you, you don't have any of that stuff. Uh, and I think that's really great. Like th- those first three episodes are just sitcom stuff and that get like increasingly unsettling, I guess. Like you kind of like get increasingly like, oh man, something's going on in this weird sitcom world. And then finally, like the third episode ends with um, Tayona Paris getting kicked out of the hex and getting picked up by sword people. And then I really liked episode four where it shows like the, the prologue of episode four, at least where it shows like, you know, how she got to that point. Uh, and especially like the post blip scene like delivers on the promise of what I wanted after Endgame, basically, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think I talked about this. I might have mentioned this in um, a few weeks ago because I talked about WandaVision discussions a while back after Avengers Endgame. They bring back all the characters, all the people who disappeared after Thanos to snap and stuff. Uh, and they don't really like go into the ramifications of that in that movie because they don't have time. They got to give a funeral. It's just Stark. like we're back now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fight, fight, fight. Yeah, exactly. The movie's already at like two hours and 40 minutes at this point. We got to wrap this up. We're not a Snyder cut here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah and so the next movie was spider-man far from home and i was like okay far from home is gonna really dig into like the ramifications of what that means and vacations all i ever <laughs> wanted <laughs> yeah I mean, far from home plays all that for laughs you know which is fine and i think it is pretty funny in far from home and they show like clips of people coming back from the dead and they like you know interrupt like a school band like marching band thing right uh, you know it's pretty funny uh but i think with wandavision it kind of delivers what i wanted to see from that originally where i'm like oh Oh, man, like you see like, you know, Tayona Paris, Maria Rambo in the hospital. She's like suddenly back and there's like pandemonium as people are running around trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, that's great. I really dug that. Yeah, it had it had like, I don't know, like 28 days later vibes or so. Like it kind of yeah. felt like a, a Ooh, weird horror pull, movie yeah. moment, you know, where she's just running around. And she's, you know, trying to find her mom who died two years ago. Five. Let yeah. It, oh, well. well, yeah, it's like two years after you left, but it's been actually this long. You know, it's like all this weird uh, stuff. But yeah, I, I did enjoy that stuff a lot. Uh, and yeah. like kind of. I did like the structure of episode four, like kind of going to before the hex happened sort of, yes, uh, and kind of showing us how we got up to this point in the previous three episodes. Right. Without ever like really getting into like how the hex was created. It just kind of right. like, you know, leads you up to how she got there basically. Uh, but yeah. And then also, yeah, they killed her mom, Maria Rambo, who was a major supporting character in Captain Marvel. And one that I, I guess I had expected to see in other movies, you know, I mean, granted I knew Cap- like the next Captain Marvel would be in like present day and stuff, but you know, there's prosthetics and whatever. But yeah, I was surprised that like they went there and like, Oh man, that, that added like a really great like element of tragedy to her superhero origin story which this movie which this show kind of like ultimately is like a backdoor thing of one of the many needles it tries to thread yes uh i also love in episode four when big jimmy woo shows up with his perfected magic skills (laughs) 
<laughs> that one of the maybe the greatest running jokes. Yeah, that is, that is like a nice little like, you know, continuity bonus, which uh, Marvel is very good at doing, like having these like small character beats that pay off in between movies and stuff like that. So having him, you know, know how to do the magic trick that he asked Scott Lang how to do in Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's pretty good. Pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then Evan Peters shows up and like the ramifications of that, like was very exciting to me because obviously the whole multiverse shit and like what what how could they be like weaving this like is this how they're going to introduce the x-men and stuff that seemed like the direction it was going to be going and then the finale kind of walks that back which mike was alluding to before and uh yeah I, that was kind of a bummer i did think you know the name ralph boner is funny but but like you know it just had, wasn't worth it yeah no. exactly like once you i think you know they, they kind of compared it i think the showrunners compared it to um when they had like ben kingsley and iron man 3 um and he was playing the mandarin and then it turns out he was just like some drunk guy uh but i think the difference is in iron man 3 like a i really love i love the twist in iron man 3 i think it's great but b there's like a, a weight of expectations when you like bring in evan peters as p you know, there's so many. different. It just feels like a little bit of a letdown. Like you, it feels like a troll of the audience in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and it just doesn't just uh, bum that we may not get him anymore. Right. Yeah. He just like he and he was really fun when he was in the show. Like a, like that Halloween episode where he was there. He was a blast, uh, yeah, which was really great. But uh, anyway, I'm bringing up Evan Peters a to talk about that. But B, because Vin, the reason you're on this podcast in the first place <laughs> is because uh, I think like a week ago you texted me asking me uh, if we had any plans to do any kind of X-Men let's rank in the near future. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, we kind of did like an X-Men retrospective when we reviewed Dark Phoenix, uh, which was, mm-hmm. you know, almost two years ago now. Now, but it's not like there's been a lot of new X-Men movies in that time. So I don't think <laughs> it's going to be uh, all that different, except for new mutants, I guess. That's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, so you texted me that and I was like, OK, well, uh, I mean, I, the reason you wanted to talk about it is because you just rewatched like all of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started with X-Men 99, went clean through to Logan. Logan was the last one because I was like, I'm going to save myself something I know is good. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's definitely better than ending on Dark Phoenix uh, for, <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, uh, 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 is it? Are you not a fan of Logan? Is that, are you, you not, not big on the uh, Logan train? Your boy has some hot takes, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, anyway, that, this is what I want to give you the platform for, because I, I figured we would use Evan Peters as, uh, you know, I figured maybe if, you, if Vin wants to talk about X-Men, we can bring in Vin for the WandaVision episode where we can talk about Evan Peters in the show, and that can segue seamlessly into vin's x-men hot takes uh so vin what do you got for us so just real quick i'll just i'll just go bottom to top worst to best in my opinion worst uh number 11 has got to be x-men origins wolverine like if you told me that like a little kid directed that movie it would be great (laughs) but if uh as i suspect a grown man directed it uh, less good yeah that is i think easily the worst one uh so so far regular take i think yeah uh x-men apocalypse number 10 also bad i (laughs) kind of really hate this movie um, i think it's boring there's like kind of maybe something in the last 30 minutes kind of yeah. like it's good just for that one scene of oscar isaac's going learning i was just thinking the same thing that's it that's the only thing <laughs> worth he, time but it's just like if you watch it sorry my back is like seizing up i don't know why because my back really liked the, x-men apocalypse we've been arguing hot. about this the whole time <laughs> um it's that whole movie is just Oscar Isaac going from place to place and being like, now we're having a scene here, which I know <laughs> is like what movies are, but I feel like they really lay it out in like, it's just like the Oscar Isaac tour. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so weird that uh, Oscar Isaac is the bad guy of that movie too, because you know, you cast Oscar Isaac, one of the most handsome leading men in Hollywood right now. Uh, and he's you like, make him look like Ivan Ooze. <laughs> yeah. They cover him in like all these prosthetics and also like alter his voice. Like when you have like Josh Brolin playing Thanos, obviously it's a CGI creation and it's Thanos, but like there's a, an element of Josh Brolin in there, 
right? Sounds like gay. Yeah, sounds like Brolin. He sounds like Josh Brolin. Uh, and when you have Oscar Isaac playing Apocalypse, it's like, like <laughs> maybe it doesn't sound quite like that, but like, it's in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the Quicksilver scene in that is great. I just think the performance is kind of on the whole in that one, except like Fassbender and McAvoy and Lawrence are locked in and Holt, but like the younger kids, I, I don't think are that good in that one. Yeah. Uh, X-Men The Last Stand at number nine. Okay. That movie tries to have its cake and eat it too, except it's trying to have like eight cakes and eat all of them. <laughs> Um, I'm literally just reading my letterbox reviews. Fair enough. I got the new mutants after that. There was, there was something there. Like they were trying something interesting, but like Maisie Williams and Anya Taylor joy just outclassed the other cast members like so heavily. Yeah. Um, we talked about new mutants when, uh, at, like when it hit VOD, I think. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I like we, I think we both kind of came to the conclusion like this. It's okay. There's elements here. I mean, it does have Anya Taylor joy, like wielding a flaming sword and jumping into a portal and, and a like puppet. that shit rocks. And, a puppet. True. No, um, <laughs> that was gnarly. Yeah. The Anya Taylor-Joy stuff was so cool. Maisie Williams, I think is great in the movie doing really interesting things. Yeah. That movie felt vaguely racist. Like vaguely yeah. <laughs> super racist. Uh, I, I the, like the opening lines of that movie are like native Americans say, and I was like, that seems vague. <laughs> Do they? Right. Which ones? Then I got X-Men first class after that, uh, which I lo- I think is good. I just think it's basically two movies. There's the really goofy stuff. And then there's like a Zizel teleporting people up into the air and dropping them to their death. <laughs> what number is that? The first class. That That's five. I think would be no, I mean, in, in Vin- 11, 10, 9, 8, 7 is first. <laughs> you, class. you mean in like the series? That's like no, the first. No. <laughs> I was asking Vin's rank. That feels like okay. spicy. That feels like gotcha. a spicy take. That's this is where we're getting into it. Yes. OK. Uh, number six. This is where I kind of flip flop because I have Logan rated higher than Dark Phoenix. I think Dark Phoenix is actually pretty good. Uh, we got to end the podcast. Vin, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. There's no, Wait, no hold opinion. On. You're, breaking out this. You're breaking up. Vin. The reason <laughs> the reason that Dark Phoenix seems bad is because Apocalypse sucks. Apocalypse as the transition movie doing the whole like, oh, they she's got the Phoenix powers thing. If you kind of ignore that and then look at Dark Phoenix as like a standalone thing, I think it's way more interesting. And I know that that's asking a lot, <laughs> uh, but I think that the performances in Dark Phoenix are really strong. <laughs> uh <laughs> I do. I know. Look, I know. I, okay. I'm thinking back to like our review of Dark Phoenix where we like pointedly said like even Michael Fassbender is bad in this. Like how did Michael Fassbender I disagree. I fundamentally disagree with what you're saying. I think they're so locked in. Uh, I think Chastain is doing nothing, but I think that's what they're asking her to do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, here's the embarrassing thing about this movie. It took me about a half an hour watching it to realize that I'd seen it before. <laughs> the, the I had never of a great forgotten film. a movie before. <laughs> I, again, everything you're saying is correct, but like uh, somehow I like this movie a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, even though I think there's a lot of stupid stuff in it, I like that it feels like an X Men movie in the sense that it's just like they're just doing X Men stuff. Sure. Okay. So you got Logan number six, Dark Phoenix number five. They they're both like tied. Yeah, they could go either way. Okay. okay. Logan is a technically a much better film than Dark Phoenix. I recognize that, and the performances are incredible in Logan. It's just such a bummer to watch. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's he's dark like movie. coughing the whole time, and it's just like so sad. And I'm like, just do like give me like one cool Wolverine thing that doesn't end with him like having like a coughing fit. You know, <laughs> just put well, Stephen Merchant. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Merchant. He's really good in that too yeah he is um, so is patrick stewart i think patrick stewart's incredible in, yeah. uh in logan also oh yeah he's so good i even like the little girl i think she's really strong she's great yeah she's really good i, I don't think she's been like really in much actually she was in um she's in she, the his dark materials right yeah she's in that the bbc show? show yeah 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 she's the lead gotcha yeah uh so then you got uh, at number four the wolverine 
which ahead of Logan. I, it just it just to me that one is pointedly ahead of Logan. I think that one has I think the ending of Logan is better. I think everything else about the Wolverine is better. <laughs> I mean, I, I've always felt the Wolverine is super underrated. Like it's a it's a Wolverine samurai movie, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? It's great. And Westerns are samurai movies like and it's interesting to see what things carry over from like through the the Logan trilogy, how they kind of basically do the he he's not healing and the Wolverine and then they try to pull that trick again in Logan. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, number th- this is where it gets kind of dicey for me. Uh, number three is X2, which forever I would have told you was my favorite X-Men movie. Yeah. For, uh, for a long time, I think, I think consider one of like the best superhero movies ever. And then just as time has gone on, like I feel like it's kind of diluted. Um, it's still great. Yeah, it's a good movie. It still slaps uh, that scene where he gets there at Bobby's house and he gets like shot in the head. Logan is jarring. It's incredibly jarring. Yeah. Uh, number two, Days of Future Past. I I did not expect to like this movie so much. I think the balancing act they pull off is incredible of like melding the casts. Yeah. And it's the one where they go, eh, maybe we should. It's like they backtrack. And they're like, eh, let's give them one more like fun Wolverine thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- this um, should have been like then, the concept of this. is like perfect for like the final movie in the X-Men series. Like this should have been the last one. We got Dark Phoenix and that's OK because that movie's OK. <laughs> uh, and then. <laughs> And then number one, you got the OG X-Men. I like you don't see movies like that anymore. The, that movie the, is playing the original to a X-Men, specific audience. Wow. Yeah, it's playing to a specific audience. It's not spoon feeding you anything like you get one exposition scene and it's when uh, Wolverine's at the mansion and he's like, oh, this is Scott and this is Aurora Monroe and this is Jean Grey. And you're like, all right, cool. They, they show you all the powers, everything, every power that gets shown on screen feels like it gets like a movie star introduction. Yeah, this is like Hugh Jackman's first outing. People didn't know who he was. He's like really in the character, I think, in a really strong way for like his first outing. This movie opens on the Holocaust, which is a trick. Yeah, that this series pulls twice. Sure. So the, the script for this movie goes uh, exterior day, the Holocaust, I assume <laughs> there's a script sitting in somebody's office somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So X1 is my uh, is is, I think, the best one. IMO having rewatched them because it's an hour 40, which is nice. That's nice. <laughs> That's a nice change. Uh, they they know that the audience going to see it is going to have some preloaded X-Men knowledge so that it's not dumbed down. Right. Uh, and it's just a really, it's a fun movie directed by, from what I understand, is an upstanding citizen of society. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking as Vin from 1999, uh, guys. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Why did something uh, no. happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a coma since 99. What happened? <laughs> I woke up, rewatched my favorite series, the X-Men movies. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's how I feel about the X-Men movies. I think they're a ton of fun. And I think X-Men, X-Men, the original is worth a watch if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a, I guess the last X-Men movie I watched was new mutants, but before that was probably like, I, I don't think I've rewatched an X-Men movie in years around the time days of future past came out i might have tried to start rewatching them so i think i ended up watching at least the first one then but i haven't seen any of them since then really uh so mm-hmm. yeah i think uh you know i think the x-men movies are, are a kind of a mixed bag you know there's mm-hmm. th- there's some very good stuff in there and some very bad stuff in there uh but i think the very good stuff is very good and worth getting to you know yeah. I, I feel like when like disney bought fox there was that whole thing we're like yeah now finally they can do the x-men right and it's like well no there was some good x-men movies in there guys <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah there's like uh there was at least uh five yeah, good yes yeah. I, I think including but not limited to day uh D- dark Phoenix. Uh, we're gonna have a strong disagree with you on that one but uh <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, may- maybe without like the weight of like 
Dark Phoenix being like the problem child the end one. of the franchise kind of thing, which, you know, I, I thought WandaVision was sort of reversing in some ways when they brought in Evan Peters. And I was like, oh, man, how how is this going to work? Which I guess they still technically could. But the way the finale makes it seem, it's like, well, OK, I guess this was just kind of like a one off thing for Evan Peters as Ralph Boner, uh, this uh, character. I don't know, man. Maybe Ralph Boner is like some some uh, some secret I don't know. I got to go to the bathroom again. I'm Are so you serious? Sorry. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with me right now. Keep talking. I'll be back. Uh, all right. So uh, while Vin goes to the bathroom, uh, let's take some time to appreciate the, uh, the set decoration and stuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, but I think the actual production of the show, like the, the sitcom stuff, like it looks good. Oh, for WandaVision? Oh, yeah. I yes. thought we were yeah, still talking about yeah, X-Men stuff. Um, we're, we're back to WandaVision. I think WandaVision, we can, like, yeah. I think we can officially leave the X-Men stuff behind. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it goes Logan and then First Class, and then who cares about the rest? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think WandaVision looks really cool. Like, the actual Hex sitcom things, the way the set kind of evolves, like the home that they live in evolves over the, like, multiple decades of the yeah. different sitcoms that they cover. And and I, I really liked the like kind of meta self-aware sitcom stuff where like, Oh, you can't have a dog till you're older. And then the kids like wink at each other and turn themselves 10. <laughs> like, that's great. That's hilarious. Like that was fun. Yes. That was really weird and inventive. And, uh, the stuff with Agatha being like, you know, it's kind of, I think it's like episode three where it happens or maybe it's later. Uh, it's one of the eight, it's when it's the eighties. I forget when that is. I think that's episode five and that's when yeah. like Evan Peter shows up at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, do you want me to watch the kids? And vision's like, I don't think you should do it. And she's like, Oh, should I take that from one? Should I go back outside? Like, you know, they kind of become aware that it's a TV show a little bit. They at least like Agatha right. is aware. So that was fun. That was really cool and unique. And, and that, that, that was the stuff I wanted more of. And then we have to spend time with Hayward and sword and shit. Um, and yes. I, I really liked the Agatha Agnes reveal, which I seemed pretty obvious to people that had like, you know, a, a pre knowledge of the comic books, which I didn't know, but my friends were talking about like Agnes Hargraves is like Agatha Harkness is pretty close or whichever, yes. whichever combination of those names. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the word, the name Agnes is like a combination of Agatha and Harkness and then it right. comes together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's one of those things that like, you know, in like week two or three of this show, like the theories were out there like Agatha Harkness, it's gotta be it. Which to be fair, a lot of the theories that uh, fans had for the show did not pan out at all. Uh, especially, I mean, obviously the Evan Peters thing didn't pan out with like some kind of big multiverse reveal yeah. uh, and stuff. And I think there was like talk about a big cameo, uh, that was supposed to happen at the end of the show, which I think got misconstrued uh, oh. <laughs> because I think the big cameo they were talking about, like, because it was Elizabeth Olsen said something in interviewers. She's like, yeah, there's like a, a cameo that's on par with Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, and then Paul the Bettany also said, I've been waiting to work with this actor all my life. And he's right. talking about himself, <laughs> which was really funny. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's, that's a very that's funny incredible. like troll Ten thing. Comedy but I, points. but when, when, when Elizabeth Olsen said that, that was like the week before the Evan Peters reveal. Right. And so I, I assumed when Evan Peter showed. I was like, oh, that's the cameo that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about. And then people were like, no, it's got to be something else. <laughs> you know, it's got to be something bigger than that guy from the other franchise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Paul Bettany was like, yeah, it's somebody I've wanted to work with. And then he was just like, oh, man, that got out of hand. I was just talking about myself with yeah, the other vision. That. That's active trolling. I, whatever. That's part of the yeah. shit that maybe Paul Bettany's about an American show. treasure. <laughs> I mean, I think the, I know he's not I American. Think the Paul Bettany but... thing was fine. Like him, like, you know, just because that's just like, you know, actors like in press press interviews doing whatever, which isn't part of the actual show. I think actually casting Evan Peters and not doing anything with him and, in, uh, in that yeah. respect. That's way worse. <laughs> those those things all together is sort of like what I'm referring to. What I, what I okay. meant is like, you know, <laughs> oh, it's going to be a huge cameo. I've waited to work with this guy all my life, which yeah. is, you know, obviously he's not talking about Evan Peters. Uh, but I then, think your Paul Bettany impression sounds like Borat, actually. So it's like, like, my life. <laughs> hey, my life. My life. <laughs> Come on, baby. Um, 
and then and then yeah oh jk he's just ralph boner uh which that's a dumb joke anyway um but i did i did like i didn't put it together until somebody uh you know edited all the clips together uh all the times agnes is like well my husband ralph and then yes that's it's him uh which is pretty funny um oh shit uh, so yeah, I mean, whatever. I was kind of mad about the whole LOL JK. You thought we were going to merge the universes, um, <laughs> right? And, and I'm it, and I'm sure there will be a lot of like multiverse stuff coming down the line. I mean, the next Doctor Strange movie is literally called the Multiverse of Madness. Great right. title. And then you know, there's a the new Spider-Man movie which is supposed to bring in like the other Spider-Man stuff from the other movies, which is pretty wild too. But yeah, I think with the Evan Peters thing, that that was a tough one to get over. But I think the rest of the show around that still good. And, you know, especially talking about like the old sitcom stuff, like just the way they were able to recreate the classic sitcom stuff. And especially as somebody who is very into pop culture and pop culture history, uh, you know, watching them like recreate the you. Yeah, I know me. Right. It's surprising. (laughs) Uh, You know, watching them recreate like the Dick Van Dyke show set uh, and that kind of thing is like really, really cool. I think especially like this kind of big property, which is going to drive people to go watch the Dick Van Dyke show. Like I've seen people like online watching the Dick Van Dyke show because of one division that's a good point i didn't even which, think which about is kind of cool uh and you know just like the, the weird like shout outs like in the 70s episode they have like the staircase with like, the brady bunch has in their mm-hmm. show and i i can't explain to you how excited i got when i realized they were doing a Malcolm in the middle episode uh yeah <laughs> that was really cool i was very excited about that yeah i, I like um, that i i love that uh characters mm-hmm. like this is the first time like marvel characters like fuck yeah they horny <laughs> you know what i mean like, yes. Yeah, they are horny in this at, show. At least and since like the first Iron new. Man, like with uh, the original Iron Man, Tony Stark's like a playboy and stuff. And he has like yeah. strippers on his airplane and stuff. Uh, but, but like this is a simpler time. Yeah, exactly. But like I, I think since they got bought by Disney, that's been like much more sanitized since then. Uh, so, yeah, the, yeah, it is kind of refreshing to see like, you know, a relationship that uh, has that in it. I, I love also just I think the performances. I don't know if you guys touched on this uh, when my bladder was attacking me, <laughs> but uh, I think the performances by Bettany and Olsen are so good. Yeah. I really think once award season comes around, like she should win something for this. <laughs> uh, like some kind of Emmy consideration you're saying for, uh, for WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. I think she's win best, best actress in a, in a mini series. Would that be? Yeah, probably. I mean, th- th- that's kind of what WandaVision is. I think uh, with the Disney plus shows, they're kind of like, I think half and half with the Marvel stuff where some of them may continue on into like being ongoing series. Uh, and some of them might just yeah. be like isolated stories like this. I think Falcon Winter Soldier, they've like batted some ideas around for season two, but their plan right now is to just be a mini series. But like Loki, I know they're doing, they're already prepping season two and stuff like that. I'm kind of over Loki. Is that bad? <laughs> you know, I think Loki, I, I'm kind of excited about it just because the concept is pretty wild um, because it's like mm-hmm. the Loki from 2012, like who got displaced at the end of Endgame, uh, And it's just him like messing around different time periods and causing mischief. And like Owen Wilson is the time guy who's in charge of him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's kind of so like, all right, I'm on board. That sounds <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> But yeah, I think with WandaVision, yeah, I think Elizabeth Olsen's great. Paul Bettany's very good uh, in it too. Uh, but I think Catherine Hahn is like the star of the show. She's yeah. so good uh, as, as Agnes slash. This Agatha is where Hunt I can does. brag. I'm, I mean, not to you guys. I'm sure you guys are in on this too, but I've been hot on Catherine Hahn since Step Brothers. Yeah, she's the best. Like, she's so funny in Step Brothers. Uh, <laughs> she's so funny in Step Brothers. Um, and I've been in on uh, Randall Park since like 2008 when he was in a YouTube video called Workout Tape. <laughs> 
and it's he plays a guy named Ronnie Nishimoto, Man. and it's incredible, and it's so goofy. And I, from that time, I was like, this guy's got something. That's some street cred right there. I think the first time I noticed Randall Park was uh, the interview where he played Kim Jong Un. Yeah, but for you know, sure. I think it is good casting to have like Randall Park and Kat Dennings in here too, uh, both of whom have are have like sitcom bona fides, like with Randall Park are fresh off the boat and Kat Dennings on Two Broke Girls. I wish they had done more with that, especially because they're not really in the hex for that much. Uh, I, th- I don't think Randall Park is at all. And Kat Dennings like gets sucked in and you're like, oh man, Darcy's in the hex. What's going to happen? And then she gets like almost immediately freed from her spell uh, yeah. <laughs> by vision. She's like, oh, now I'm Darcy. Darcy's in the hex. <laughs> and then the show ends like right after that. It's a Chuck Lorre end credit at the end and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I found uh, Kat Dennings way less grading in this than I did in Thor. And Thor too. You know, like her, I, I like her a lot in the Thor movies. I think she's really great. Um, but I, but I do like I, the way I that it, it like evolves her character too. Where we haven't seen her in like eight years. Uh, yeah. So in that time, she mm. was like she used to be like the wacky assistant of uh, Natalie Portman's character, and she's now like gone to college and earned her degree, and now she's like an astrophysicist and stuff like that. Like the stuff that she was good, good it, for interning you. for. Uh, with you know, so you know, again, one of those like small character things where you see like a character come back after a while and they're a little bit different, but they're this recognizably the same character. Kind of cool. Uh, and I think Tiana Paris as Monica Rambeau is really great, too. Uh, and I think will be a pretty integral part of Marvel stuff going forward, I'm guessing, especially based on the uh, the end credit scene of this of the show, uh, which I'm guessing both of you saw. Which right? one? Because like, I'm mad about it. I'm talking about the scroll one. Yes. You're mad about that scene? No. OK, that, that there's another one. <laughs> You're mad about the other one because the show uh, doesn't start having end credit scenes till episode four or five. And the end I think, credits I think it's are six. no, it's later than that. Yeah, the credits six, are 19 minutes long. Uh, so <laughs> I, why would I assume whatever? It's a TV show. Marvel. Get uh, fuck it. I don't, whatever, who cares about Marvel? <laughs> I mean, I, I will tell you, Mike, you do have a fast forward button on your on your remote. Uh, if you're going no, to. Yeah, I know. And shows. I skipped to where the other episodes had end credits scenes. I was like, OK, I'm done. OK, I see. And then there uh, was so, another one after that. Uh, right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Was that the first end credit scene, the scroll one, or was yeah. that the second one? That was the first one. Okay. So we're and then the second one was her uh astro projecting. Right. Yes. Which is probably setting up Doctor Strange 2, I'm guessing. Right. And she hears her kids' voices. Whoa. We thought they were dead. And she's gonna go look for them in the multiverse. <laughs> which this uh, movie which the, never mind. Never mind. I couldn't no. I couldn't form the thought fast enough. So what, what about the scroll thing? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second, I think. But uh, with the, with the scroll thing, I thought that was a really cool like post credit scene, a good tease for Captain Marvel 2 and to get uh, Monica Rambo back in the action uh, with that movie. Uh, and I, I will say I did audibly go like when the agent turned into a scroll. I think I audibly went like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that gets me every time somebody turning into a it's scroll still it's, gets it's, me it's like one yeah. of the funnest things. I think that would have been better if it was like an agent that we recognized, like who was like in more of the show. Because uh, I don't, I think it was just like somebody who showed up in that episode and yeah. like, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So I think it was somebody who was like maybe just hanging around in sword headquarters uh, or something. And then like, it turned out to be a scroll. Like that would have been, uh, like it made it even better. But like anytime somebody turns into a scroll, I'm like, yeah. So that was exciting. <laughs> Woo. My biggest complaint about Marvel forever. Sorry. If I could just take this tangent real, real quick. Yeah. Is that if you look in like this, uh, I forget what they called them, but like the first batch of movies that came out phase one. <laughs> Phase one and phase one any honestly, even through phase two and some of phase three, like the first movie always has the hero fighting like a mirror version of themselves. Yes. 
And I, that drove me crazy for the longest time. And in the WandaVision, Wanda fights another witch and Vision literally fights himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which I do. And I was like, back to form, baby. Yeah, which, which I do think, I think Vision fighting himself, uh, you know, because the show, I think the struggle with that some people have had with it is that the show had, did such a good job of do it, having that sitcom vibe and like recreating sitcoms in that way. Especially those first few episodes where they actually like filmed in front of a live studio audience and that kind of thing. And it gave those episodes like a little bit of an extra energy but then as the show goes on it kind of becomes more traditionally marvel-y i guess uh and then the last like two episodes are like straight up marvel episodes like they're not sitcom-y in any way uh, and the last yeah. episode the finale is kind of like 45 minutes of like this big action set piece it's a marvel thing the cgi is a, the third act of a marvel yeah, movie there's yeah. a beam in the sky all the classic marvel tropes <laughs> they hit them all you maybe get. You hit everything. Uh, and I think as far as the actual staging of that stuff goes, I think it is fairly generic. But I think the strength of the episodes leading up to it gave like more weight to it than it might have. And if it was just like a normal like two hour Marvel movie in some ways to me, uh, mm-hmm. because the character work for Wanda and Vision was so good. And I was like invested in like what they were going through. Uh, but I also do really like that Vision's fight doesn't end with him actually just punching the hell out of this other vision. But instead they have like a philosophical discussion about like the, the art, the, the arc of Theseus and stuff. And like, that's <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. And that's how I like, actually like the finale. Was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the finale is pretty good. I think it's, there's flaws in it, uh, but I think there the stuff that works in the finale really works really well, especially I think the best scene in the finale is um, when Wanda has to like reckon with what she has done with the town and like all the townspeople are like begging her to kill them <laughs> and that kind of thing or like see their children because they haven't seen them in weeks. And it's some body that kind of thing. shit. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's, oh, it's yeah. really dark. And I think the show heads into a darker direction than most Marvel stuff, which I appreciate it. I mean, there's the one scene, I think it's an episode three or four uh, where, you know, Wanda's having these like visions uh, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, she sees like a flash of like corpse vision from Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> with, like, the, that the, scared the shit yeah. out of me. <laughs> with the grayed out face and the stone ripped out of his head and stuff. That was great. I love that. And he's just like, what's up, babe? <laughs> yeah. I, I also, what did you think of the retconning? Uh, in regard to what? Wanda always having powers. You know, I don't think I mind it that much because it's OK. So I, I will say I think the way it works in the movies is like Wanda gets introduced in Age of Ultron, technically in like the post credit scene of Winter Soldier or whatever. But like Age of Ultron is where she like really makes her first debut and she has powers and like it's explained that she has them because they were experiments from Hydra. Uh, so I don't think having her have powers from birth changes all that much because the Hydra stuff just like exacerbated those powers, I guess, like made them more mm. uh, than what they were in some ways. Uh, and also, I think this show is allowed to do some of that stuff because it gets more in depth with these characters than the movies really ever have. Like, you know, it, at, mm. at best, Wanda and Vision have been like, you know, seventh and eighth string characters <laughs> in in big ensemble movies, you know? Uh, so, yeah, and they've managed to have like kind of like a cool little mini arc throughout those movies, which is nice. But this is mm. the first time the spotlight's really been on them. I did like it, by the way. I, I think it's a good retcon personally. Yeah. I can't say that I even remembered what the movies explain as the origins of Wanda's uh, <laughs> other than that. She's in that post credit scene as the first time. Uh, yeah. So she smashes some blocks together. Yeah, exactly. And the show kind of <laughs> makes it seem like she had powers, but the Hydra, like Mike said, the Hydra experiments made them stronger or more prevalent or something. Uh, so I feel like it still fits. You know, I, I don't think I ever assumed she didn't have powers before that. Uh, right. Based on what we see in the movies. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that does feel like it's like teasing, like leaning towards like the existence of mutants and all that stuff. So again, it's yeah. teasing towards X-Men and then it just kind of 
cuts right back, uh, which is a little weird. Uh, but it also psych Ralph Boner. <laughs> but but I think uh, you know on the plus side, you know we always say I think it's great having this big cinematic universe and like the interesting ways they can connect kind of cool. Um, but the strongest stuff in the MCU is typically isolated stuff, like the self contained stories that don't really have to tie into other stuff. Uh, it's partially why guardians of the galaxy two is the best Marvel movie. Don't at me. And, uh, <laughs> and I think WandaVision kind of does that in some ways. Like it feels like it's a pretty self contained story. Like you do need to know a little bit about the history of Wanda and vision, but even if you don't like the show gets into that, like it gives you the backstory. So you could theoretically, like I know there are people who have just watched WandaVision because it's like, Oh, it's a new Disney plus show. I'm going to check this out. You know, it turns, it's like a sitcom and then it turns into not a sitcom. And it's, I would imagine it's a confusing ride for like complete new viewers. But if you're aware that it's a Marvel thing, I think it mostly makes sense on its own for the most part. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, but otherwise Catherine Hahn's great. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you know, all the theme song stuff, I think is really great too. I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. The uh, theme songs that they were able to create for the show, which all perfectly emulates the era that they're trying to imitate. I think the Malcolm, the middle ones probably my favorite outside yeah. of Agatha all along, which is like uh, the reveal of Agatha. A real all banger. Along. Uh, when Agatha all along happens, uh, like when it, she finally like reveals she was Agatha Harkness and stuff, which, you know, I, I think some of the dialogue in the show veers into like, my name is Khan territory from Star Trek into darkness where it's yeah. like, you know, you are the Scarlet witch. And it's like, does that mean anything to her? That, like <laughs> Talia other than us? actually. <laughs> yeah, Talia. Yeah. Uh, I, I did. I did like the Scarlet witch uh, line only because it's the first time I did too. they get to say it because they didn't have the right. license to it or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. And I liked it. She's like, I thought you you were supposed to be a myth. I love that kind of <laughs> shit so much. Um, You're not supposed to be real. <laughs> but but the Agatha all along sequence where Catherine Hahn is just like making the biggest like playing to the camera faces and, you know, just winking and like, you know, at the very end, it's like, and I killed Sparky, too, and all that stuff. It's great. It's yeah. perfect. Like the peak of the series for me. Uh, but the Malcolm in the Middle theme song uh, actually sung by the lead singer of Bikini Kill. Uh, which is wild. Uh, and I really dug that. I, I, I'm guessing you guys didn't watch this uh, if, if you even plan to, but Disney plus just put out like uh, making of WandaVision special this past weekend. Oh, maybe uh, which uh, I watched. I watched uh, last night and uh, it's pretty good. I, I really, I really dig it. And it's, it kind of like kind of delves into some of the cool behind the scenes stuff. Like the fact that uh, for the black and white scenes, they had to paint vision blue instead of red <laughs> uh, because, because red like shows up oh, really shit, badly on black and white. Uh, so they had to like paint him blue to give him more like take to make him look like the vision which is really weird interesting uh, and that kind of thing so there's some cool like behind the scenes tidbits there and the like, kind of how they went into some of the creation of the sitcom stuff and what it represents in the larger marvel universe and all that stuff but uh yeah wandavision yeah it's a show it's good i think you know i, I think as the first like you know foray into marvel stuff for disney plus I, I think it's a good first step you know and i, I think a triumph I, I, <laughs> i'm not sure if i would go as far as say triumph but it's a show i really enjoyed and uh you know i'm i'm eager to see more stuff uh from them like it is it is weird like you know we spent the entire year after Endgame being like, man, that was this is a lot, so much stuff and there's so much stuff on the horizon. Not sure if I'll be able to keep up with it all. And then we had COVID and there was no Marvel stuff in 2020, which I felt was like a nice break. And now I'm like, OK, if they can keep this up where it's like, OK, we got one Marvel like half hour thing coming out, you know, once every week or once every two weeks or whatever. That might be OK. I think I'm like into like just having like that like small dip into the Marvel Universe every once in a while uh, in between like the larger movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Also fair. Uh, <laughs> but, 
but I also, I, I feel like you might watch Falcon Winter Soldier, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably, like I said, I'll probably do the same thing. I'll wait and see what my friends tell me about it. And if they yeah. think it's cool, I'll probably wait till it's all done and then just watch it. Yeah, watch watch the good stuff, skip the bad stuff. I yeah. think that might be the the way to go for it. Uh, and and that is also, I think, the thing where there have been so many. Like, I'm one of them, but like a completionist with all the Marvel stuff. And like, I feel like I got to watch every movie and every TV show. Uh, and at a certain point, I think it, there's going to be too much stuff to be able to do that. Uh, and yeah. so it, you're, you're going to have to treat it like if you're into that kind of stuff, you might have to treat it like it's the comics where you know you follow the characters that you like. And you don't really have to follow anyone else. And they, the stories are structured in that way where, you know, you don't need to buy every single comic in order to get the full story of a certain character's arc. You can just buy their book and be good. We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. But there you go. That's WandaVision. Vin, any final thoughts on the show before we start wrapping this up? I think people, I, I think uh, I wish big budget companies like Disney would do more experimental stuff like the first couple episodes of WandaVision. Yeah, uh, I am completely with you there. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad that WandaVision was the success that it was, where it was one of those shows that everybody just kind of kept talking about for weeks and weeks, because that might inspire mm. more stuff for them to be able to do within this universe and maybe even original stuff. Who knows? Well, that, that'd be great. Original yeah. stuff. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. What? You mean like Dark Phoenix, <laughs> which was an adaptation of a thing? Yep. Uh, adaptation of an adaptation. Oh, okay. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> although, although Dark Phoenix does not have the word X-Men in the title. So mm. there's that. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate, sir. Uh, any final X-Men thoughts before I start wrapping this up, Finn? Yeah. Give Dark Phoenix a chance and watch. If you're going to rewatch the X-Men movies, watch that one first. <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. Give, your, um. <laughs> give yourself watch it without the weight of the other movies. That's what I have to say about so, that. So watch it completely disconnected from anything else. Like as if it's just a standalone X-Men story that has no connection, which I guess it kind of is, uh, but still context. Like you still need the context from the other movies. Yeah. But just like ignore apocalypse. Okay. Fair. Act like apocalypse didn't exist and act like it's not. Okay. The only thing I can't, it's so stupid to me that Jean gray, they're like, you have to go hold that ship together. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you're in space and you're pulling people out of the ship why do you have to hold it together <laughs> that like that's the only thing i can't really get past otherwise i think that movie actually i forgot they go to it's space it's not perfect that movie. Uh, i was gonna say i wish yeah. i could comment on that but i don't remember anything from dark <laughs> other than uh jennifer I, lawrence made her contractual obligated appearance uh, yeah. to, to just show here up so i don't get fined pretty much you could hear her uh you could hear in her uh lines her being like so is that lunch is yeah. that <laughs> We're done. Honey I got a plane to catch. Someone's waving a check off screen every time she's uh, every time you see her. It's great. Uh, oh, got you a dollar. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So, yeah, I think that about wraps things up for uh, our WandaVision discussion. And of course, Falcon and Winter Soldier starts this week. I'll be watching it. I'm assuming Vin might be watching it. And Mike, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll review it in six weeks if Mike has watched it. And maybe we won't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> only, only time will tell. And speaking of things Mike might not watch <laughs> that might get reviewed. Uh, yes, of course, Vin is talking about uh, the Snyder cut of Zack Snyder trying to weasel my way into another co-hosting <laughs> gig. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I think I, I will almost definitely be watching Zack Snyder's Justice League this weekend, partially because I can't believe it exists. Like, I can't believe this exists and how insane it's going to be. Like, it's going to be one of those things that, like, embodies the best and the worst of Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. And it is one of those, like, crazy blank check projects that, like, I can't I, I can't believe this happened. I can't. I genuinely 
it's nuts that it exists. Uh, and just gave him a whole ass second. Yeah, Seventy and, more million dollars to make a new movie. <laughs> is that how much money yeah. they gave him? That's yeah. outrageous. Which, which most of it is footage that was fr- like, you know, just not used in the original cut of the movie. Like there's like two hours that just weren't used. And then I think he shot like a few extra minutes of footage. I think that that scene with the Joker that you see with Jared Leto, I think is new stuff, uh, which by the way, uh, I heard, I saw this in a tweet from a critic today. Joker does not say, we live in a society in the movie. That was only for the trailer. <laughs> Cowards. Cowards. Uh, which is almost worse, I, th- I think. That's a, uh, Ralph, that's a real Ralph Boner move. <laughs> exactly. They got boners. Yes. Exactly. Uh, but all right, so Vin, where can we find you online this week? And uh, if people want to watch Shoplifters of the World, where can they do that? You can find me in Shoplifters on of the World on Video On Demand Services, I believe, everywhere. Um, Vin likes movies on TikTok, probably Vin Craig on Instagram. That's my full name. It's probably Vin Craig. I know I elaborate <laughs> yeah. on this every time, but it's too clever of a name to not right. <laughs> elaborate and give myself a pass exactly. back. The full name is probably Vin Craig. I'm not <laughs> speculating that my Instagram name handle is Vin Craig. You go by your middle name for uh, <laughs> for your documents and stuff, uh, but your first name is probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Vin and Craig. Then, uh, Vincent J. Yeah, probably. Please, Mr. Craig was my father. Call me probably. <laughs> um, and uh, Vincent J. Craig on Letterboxd. That's that's my big one. Follow me on Letterboxd. Nice. All right. And Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And make sure to catch me not watching Snyder Cut. We're taking what are you going to do with four whole three hours? <laughs> Anything I want. I mean, what can you, you could watch, can watch probably WandaVision twice in the time <laughs> you would, say, you would yeah. watch. All right. You can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Tecrecio. That is Vin Craig. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can hit us up at Mike and Mike Go to the Movies at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the totally original geek news podcast which is a podcast about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff uh so for our next episode if the stars align uh we we may or may not be doing a review of Zack snyder's justice league uh but since mike really doesn't want to watch it it may be a discussions episode that heavily features me talking about it <laughs> it will depend on if any of my other friends want to hop in discord and get drunk and watch it with me okay fair um, enough if I'm, I'm not watching that movie alone that's fair i i hope if that happens that you genuinely love it like I, I want i want the biggest turnaround <laughs> what a twist that would be yeah like this is the lords of arabia of our time it's it's gonna be crazy uh, what a downgrade we've had as a society um, also <laughs> mike, we do live in a society we do live in a society don't forget to plug our potential bonus our bonus episode this week mike that's right yeah we uh, we do have a bonus episode which uh, actually will have already been released by the time this comes out uh, what is so- time other than a human construct <laughs> Exactly. But if you have not listened to it yet, go do it. We interviewed Elsa Kephart, uh, the director of the new movie Slacks, uh, which is available on Shudder starting this Friday. And uh, yeah, that is a really fun movie. It's about a pair of pants that come to life and kill people. Uh, but it has maybe a more socially conscious message than mm. that premise would make you believe. Uh, so that was great. Elsa Kephart was a great conversation. We talked to her for a while. Uh, and that episode is in the main podcast feed right now. So a cool bonus for fans uh, that are that's out there. In the meantime, the complete works is back to covering Nicolas Cage for the time 
being. Uh, and we just released your episode on Love Antosha, the documentary about actor Anton Yelchin, uh, in which Nicolas Cage uh, served as the narrator for the movie, kind of reading Anton, El- Anton Yelchin's writings. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to uh, talking about that one. We're actually recording that in just a few minutes. Uh, so, Vin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week, for uh, talking about WandaVision and uh, finally having a platform to let your X-Men uh, opinions out there. Oh, it's been it's The, the been takes tough. were almost too spicy. Logan is just too sad. <laughs> Logan's too sad, and apparently Dark Phoenix is too good. That, that's <laughs> one of those sentences. It's better than you'd expect. Uh, like, Dark Phoenix is good, actually. is one. Of the, I, I felt like we, as a society, which we do live in, like universally agreed that Dark Phoenix was bad. I hadn't heard a single person defend that movie until today. And then all of a sudden, bum, 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 so, Vin, we're excited to see you in Shoplifters of the World. We're excited to see you in Girls 5 Eva and uh, all that stuff. We hope you find more stuff to be in so we can talk about it on the podcast. Thank you, boys. <laughs> Love the show. Absolutely. And that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Three, two, one, sink. sink. That's perfect. Nailed it. it. Nice. We killed it. All right. Great. Love that. Um, I don't know if you guys want to pop this in at the end of the episode, but I recorded a, like a pilot episode of a podcast with my uh, buddies, Chris and Jeremy, and I tried to do the sync thing and I thought I explained it perfectly. And then I went three, two, one. I said sync and they just sat there looking at me incredibly confused. <laughs> So Incredible. you do that very well nice. every time because Thank it's you. not as easy as uh, <laughs> it seems. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's a nuanced art, the sink, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe I'm just a dipshit. I don't know. It could go either way. <laughs> could go either way. <laughs>